Welcome back for another episode of the Courting the Field podcast. It's a great one here today, folks. My name's Carl Jones, and I'm joined here today with my co-host, Sean Flannery. What's good, Sean? What's up, CJ? Just like you said, I'm looking forward to this podcast. I think it's going to be a good one. I think I'm shaking it up a little bit. Um, we have a good guest coming on later, but I've been looking forward to this. I spent a decent amount of time kind of preparing for it. I'm sure you guys will see why, um, but I'm excited to finally get back into it. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. It's a bunch of new stuff for you guys and us, too. Uh, just want to try some new things out, see if you guys like it. Make sure to let us know if you guys what you guys do like and don't like. But we're going to get right into it this week, man. Got to talk about that electric week, two that we had in the NFL. Just some quick takeaways, or our biggest takeaway. For me, is uh, Russell Wilson and that performance he put on against the Patriots in Sunday Night Football. Uh, this entire offseason, the talk has been Pete Carroll unleashing Russell Wilson, letting him cook hashtag let Russ cook that was the theme all all offseason and it's come to fruition man Russ is already up to nine touchdowns I think only like 11 or 12 incompletions he's just been playing phenomenal and if the Seahawks can get the defense together and get some semblance of a running game they're going to be a serious out uh this year and just be a tough team in general to play because when you allow one of the better quarterbacks in the league if not the best to play up to his full potential and let him cook per se uh, it's scary because I think for the past six or seven years, the Seahawks have been playing with one hand behind their back. I mean, they just unleash them on third down or so. Or let them win the fourth quarter when they're down, they let Russ be Russ. But when you let him do things that you let Lamar, uh, Lamar Pat, and Deshaun, what they do from quarter one on, and you let Russ do the same, it's electric, as you guys seen from the first two weeks. No, the Seahawks look great. So does Russ, obviously. hope maybe this is the year he gets his MVP. Obviously, other guys around the league, Kyler, uh, Lamar does his thing, Mahomes, Josh Allen's looking good, but, you know, maybe this is the year Russ, you know, gets over the hump, I guess, and gets those votes. But um, my takeaway has just been the injuries that happened this past week. You know, it's it's tough to see. Obviously, with everything going on, this is like the last thing you want to see are all these stars going down. Um, but it, it's it's weird because, you know, me as a fantasy football player, owner, whatever, you know, I'm hopping on the waiver wire trying to pick up the next best guy. But, you know, you kind of just hate to see it. Like I said, with everything going on with, you know, the coronavirus, um, you know, you're just happy to play the game and not really thinking about injuries, which is kind of crazy, more thinking about, you know, what's going on with your team, um, the structure of everything, you know, the newness, uh, uniqueness even of what's going on. But, you know, these injuries kind of are hurting People probably going to hurt the league in the long run. Um, guys like Saquon, Christian McCaffrey going out. Um, but, yeah, just hopefully, you know, these guys get a healthy recovery. Their teams bounce back. They bounce back. But it'll be interesting to see how the teams do, you know, following, you know, uh, a tough week of, of, of people getting injured. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the biggest takeaway for sure. Because uh, I, I don't think any team left week two unscathed. I mean, the 49ers probably got hit the hardest. I mean, losing Bosa, Jimmy G. We're already down Debo, lost Solomon Thomas. They're just, just a rough week, man. So just prayers up for those guys, and hopefully they got speedy and healthy recoveries. Um, that's the – sorry. But that's the crazy thing with, you know, just not being a football player myself is realizing you have the greatest athletes in the world going 100 miles per hour at each other and colliding for, you know – and hour and a half for the entire game. And then they get into practice. Yeah. They, you say, Oh, they have a week to practice recovery, best recovery uh, facilities, whatever. But, you know, you hear all the time from, from players, ex players, you're from season, from week one 
until week 16 or whenever your team loses in the playoffs, wins it all, whatever, no one's ever 100% healthy anymore. And that's what I don't think, you know, the regular fan at home who doesn't play sports or football doesn't understand, which makes football so unique. Yeah, guys are never healthy. I mean, like you said, once you get past camp, and I know this year was unique because they truly didn't have a normal camp because of COVID, but once you get past camp, it's, it's a survival of the it's a, a survival of survival of attrition at that point where whoever usually is the most healthy team is gonna um, win out because I think of a team like the 49ers who are a very talented team on paper, but they just might not have the bodies like to compete. Like that's a Super Bowl level roster, obviously, and. I mean, you, you're down Sherman, you're down Nick Bosa, you're down Debo, you're down your starting damn quarterback, you're down the two starting running backs. It's just like we don't even have the bodies to go out there and put down a roster that's worthy of an NFL team. So it's, it's definitely unfortunate. It makes you wonder, too, like it's bad that it's happening, but maybe, you know, if there is a bright side, you find the bright side of, well, we've had these guys in place on our practice squad or, you know, on speed dial or whatever it is because of the coronavirus you never know what could happen next man up mentality as it always is but is it now more that than ever because of what's going on so you know you just don't know what you'll see going forward here I guess it's gonna be interesting for sure man and we got some guys obviously some friends Mm -hmm. who uh who are those French guys and they'll be getting those opportunities so good luck to those and then prayers for those who are who were injured this weekend but we're going to do a, a new segment for you guys. Uh, I think you guys will like it. We're going to redraft the 2011 NBA draft. We're going to correct the mistakes. Obviously, hindsight's 2020, but we're going to correct the mistakes that the GMs made that year. Um, we're going to go – Sean's going to go – has the odd numbers, teams, and I'm going to go even. So, I think, Sean, you started off. Yeah, so I mean, we're talking off air. This is a very underrated draft class, obviously – Guys like Kawhi Kyrie, you know, we go down the list of um, players like Isaiah Thomas picked 60th, um, you know, all-star caliber draft class. A lot of sleepers that no one really talks about as all-star caliber players. But, you know, in a draft class like this, uh, it's definitely overlooked as one of the better ones. But starting off the draft, um, probably an obvious pick. I'm taking Kawhi Leonard. You know, obviously just what he's done in his career up to now, up to now, um, winning the NBA finals MVP twice, uh, you know, going from a few different teams and still not really missing a beat. Um, and, you know, despite some of his injuries and some of his early, uh, I wouldn't say he was, wasn't a great player early on, but maybe, you know, he didn't have the role that he does have now with the Spurs or had with the Spurs now with the, the Clippers and the Raptors last year. But, he's just been shining more than ever and is definitely one of the players that probably when his career is done, goes down as one of the all-time greats. Yeah, definitely a, uh, a great player. Uh, unfortunate to see him go out the way he did, but I mean, that's the nature of the beast, man. Nature of the game. Um, so I guess that's kind of cool because the Cavs take Kawhi there. Oof. I don't know if LeBron ever leaves. <laughs> no, that's what the, uh, so Tyree obviously went number one in the Cavs there. I mean, like CJ said, hindsight's twenty twenty. Kawhi, LeBron together. Who knows what would have happened? Oh man, oof. got chills even thinking about it. So number two, I'm the T Wolves here. Uh, they took Derek Williams here, who was a freshman phenom out of uh, Arizona. But I'm gonna take Kyrie here. I think it's the obvious pick after taking Kawhi off the board. I mean, obviously, Kyrie his his work speaks for himself. Uh, he's 
great playoff performer. Obviously, you think about the 2016 NBA Finals and just how electric of a player he is. I think that is is obvious to take him here at number two. Yeah, and it's it's kind of interesting going back to you know 2011 and GMs in this draft were thinking you know Kyrie played five games at Duke you know kind of like it wasn't the obvious choice Derek Williams was the best player in college basketball I was I think we were 13 or 14 whatever at the time and Derek Williams is who I wanted as a Cavs fan not I mean I didn't know I didn't know anything about basketball I still really don't but you know he was a great player um but you know Kyrie two there after Kawhi and then my third pick who originally in the draft was Ennis Canner to Utah I'm taking Clay Thompson um I think it kind of speaks for himself what he does. Everyone knows more than a three and D type of guy. And I think it's interesting to see, you know, it would have been interesting to see this year if he wasn't hurt, what he would have done with, you know, without Steph because he got hurt as well. Uh, maybe they rushed Steph back a little bit quicker um, if, if Clay was still there. But I think a lot of pe- a lot of the hate for him is, you know, he's with Steph, he's with Draymond, he's with all these other guys and it's just something that fits perfect for him. But, you know, he's kind of the prototypical two guard that you that everybody wants. And I think he's my he's the obvious choice of number three. I don't know if uh, Clay can dribble with his head up. I mean, head <laughs> yeah, with his head up. But it doesn't matter. I mean, one of the best shooters of, of all time. I mean, uh, name's game six Clay for a goddamn reason, y'all. Uh, <laughs> obvious pick there, number four, uh, number three to Utah. So it's back to Cleveland here, number four. And I thought we did a decent job in 2011 going Kyrie Tristan, but we're going to do an even better job taking Jimmy Buckets here. And uh, Jimmy Buckets started off slow in his career. I don't want to say extremely like slow, but he's not who he is today, obviously. But, I mean, you guys watching the bubble now, I mean, even if he's not filling up the box score, his impact is felt uh, all over that floor with his leadership, his communication skills. He's just a great player, and I couldn't imagine – him and Kawhi together because what Kawhi lacks in communication and leadership skills, Jimmy Buckets picks up right with that in that regard. So Jimmy Buckets doesn't need to be that alpha. Uh, I need the ball at all times type of th- type of deal. Cause if you watch the heat now, I mean, Goran Dragic sometimes has the ball hero. I mean, bam. So that would be a perfect fit in my eyes with Kawhi and Jimmy B. And I know hindsight's 2020, maybe LeBron sees that shit and is like, and comes back as well. So, I mean, that, that's a, <laughs> An all-time great big three with Braun, uh, Kawhi, and Jimmy B. That's it. Jimmy Butler was also my pick at four, but his career is crazy how it's been playing out because his first year, I mean, obviously being a rookie, um, late first round, I believe, maybe early second, um, if I remember right. But anyways, first year averages two points a game, second year averages eight. And, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't put up 20-plus points per game now but his increase and his improvement over the years have been, has been phenomenal. And he's still not a great three point shooter. So who knows if he adds that to his repertoire, but fifth pick, I took Kemba Walker. Uh, Originally it was Jonas Valanciunas to the Raptors. So I took Kemba kind of interesting. I almost took him at four um, mainly because, you know, digging into it a little bit deeper in this class, ironically, being in Charlotte for so long and not really playing on a playoff team until, what, this year, last year, what, this year. And um, he averaged or has the most games played, minutes played, points and assists in this whole draft class, which um, 
I don't think anyone really would have thought of that because of where he was. But, you know, he's the all-time leading scorer at Charlotte, in Charlotte. He's only been uh, All-NBA one time, which maybe kind of went overlooked because he was in Charlotte. But, you know, now being in Boston, he's got a lot of uh, guys around him that he can be more of a facilitator than a scorer, which he was. But I just thought it was kind of crazy. He led four categories to this date in, in a pretty loaded draft class. Good pick there. Kim, Kimba's definitely uh... – a great ass player. I mean, I just never forget Cardiac Kimba in that year in uh, nope. 20, uh, 2011 March Madness. And that step back against Pitt is, is college basketball folklore for sure. So I think this is where the draft gets interesting because I think the first five picks are kind of settled. I guess you can say though those are all like legit all star star players. And I was struggling with this one because I'm going. I'm still going back and forth right now. God damn it! But <laughs> I think. If I'm going to take the, the player at their peak and knowing what I know now in terms of uh, injury and stuff like that, because I can't change that, I think I have to go with Nikola Vucevic here at number uh, six. And I was struggling between him and IT and Jonas, but knowing that I know IT got injured and it's, he hasn't been the same since that 2017 run because of the hip injury. I'm going to take Vucevic. And I, I know Vucevic, for some people, is like, who the hell is that? He plays in Orlando, so no one's going to ever, like, he's never going to get his true flowers for that. But he's a he's a great back-to-the-basket big, skilled big, not necessarily a Jokic type. But, I mean, he's a he's a double-double machine. For his career averages, he averaged 16 and 10. He made the All-Star game, uh, I believe, in 2019. He's just a good, solid big to where uh, I feel as if he he's skilled enough that I can take him over IT, even though IT had a phenomenal two, three-year run in Boston. Yeah, it's a good pick. I I noted that he – I mean, obviously, like you said, Orlando, no one watches their games. I don't really know who Vucevic is, but he averages 34% from three for his career, and he shoots five threes a game. So you're not only getting a big uh, a big body in Vucevic that can score inside. He can score from the perimeter, plays defense pretty well, and he's probably one of the more skilled bigs in the league. But – at seven, um, I took Tobias Harris, so maybe a little surprise there. Um, I kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt being on five different teams, and a lot of people might say that, you know, you see five different teams in nine years, less than nine years, uh, probably something wrong with him. But kind of, you know, a story that is with me to kind of thought about this going going through this process is, I met Tobias in Vegas this last summer when I worked the NBA Summer League and was probably the nicest guy I've, I've, I've met from a, a standpoint where I was sitting behind him kind of watching people come by if they asked for autographs, whatnot. And he was always checking in on me, seeing him if I needed anything. He introduced himself to me like I didn't know who he was walking in, getting this escort or whatever. But I was just kind of there to push people away. And, you know, he would, I'd ask him, hey, sign this autograph for somebody. And, you know, he wasn't hesitant about saying yes. So very nice guy. Obviously, from my perspective, I would say nothing wrong with him. But, you know, who knows? Um, basketball standpoint, you know, he's a great stretch for in, in today's day. And um, maybe on a bad team, bad fit team right now for him in Philly. But, you know, a 37% three-point shooter who's, you know, 6'10 is, is valuable. I think Tobias is one of those guys who's just been in a bad fit for the past. He's been in the limelight more than obviously because he's in Philly, a, a playoff team compared to early on in the career where he was in Detroit and a, and a so-so Clippers team. 
But I see a guy who can be like your third, fourth option. It can get you bucket, get you 20 points a game if you see fit. He just gets that sure, bad sure. rap because the Sixers need him to be somebody who he's not. And I, I don't – I think that's unfair to him because I think he's a solid player as well. Um, so here at number eight, I was struggling with this one. But I think I'm going to take Lil Man off the board. I think I'm going to take uh, IT. I think his uh, peak was short. I mean, let's not get it twisted. Uh, yeah, he. I don't. I don't even know if he's in the NBA right now. I doubt he is. <laughs> but I think his eight-year um, stint in the league. I'm sure he'll get back in at some point. But his eight-year stint in the league um, was good enough to suffice the eighth pick here, considering who he has after him. I never really thought he was the number one guy on the team, even that Boston year where we played them, where the Cavs played them. I didn't think he was really that guy, but it was a phenomenal year. He took down, uh, I want to say Chicago that year, when they played Rondo, and then they played the Wizards as well. Him and John Wall had a nice battle. And then, obviously, dealing with the death of his sister, bro losing a, t- a tooth. You know he's tough as hell. I would probably use him more as my sixth man in a Lou Will type of role, but, I mean, his scoring prowess – can be used, and I'll figure out where the hell I can fit the. I can figure out the rest of the team, but I can use that scoring prowess. It it was my eighth pick as well, and solely because, like you said, that 2016-17 season was ridiculous. He was 28 points a game, third in the NBA. He had a game of 52 in the regular season, a 53 in the playoffs, All NBA second team that year. And unfortunately, when he gets traded to the Cavs and is next to LeBron, is 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 booty. But you know, my ninth pick. I'm going Reggie Jackson, and uh, Reggie, I picked him, you know, early on in his career in Oklahoma City. With Russ, he was kind of the sixth man. You know, he'd come in, compliment Russ pretty well, and that was probably some of his best years as a player, an NBA player. You know, he gets moved to Detroit, scoring a lot more. Um, but uh, you, now with the, with the Clippers kind of taking on a similar role to what he did in OKC, but at a later stage in his career. But uh, I think he's a good backup point guard, especially for if you have somebody that, you know, could slide over to the two when he comes in or even him play more of a scoring role at the two. Um, you know, he's had a 40-point game, and he's had multiple 20-assist games, 20, 20-assist games, yeah. So um, he's my ninth pick. Got you. That shocked me a little bit, but I could definitely see it based off uh, <laughs> what you're saying. That's good. That's good. I need that. I need that. That's my sleeper right there. Got you. So I got 10 right here, right? So I'm, yes, I'm between uh, two big men right here, and I'm going to be biased because I know what he can – I know his role, and I know he's a guy who's going to stick to his damn role, and that's TT, Tristan Thompson. Um, is, is his contract – does his contract fit what he does? No, but I think that if – we take away the, the the monetary value next to his name. I think that you can see him for what he is and think that – like when I watch Robert Williams for the Celtics um, and I watch Plumlee for the Nuggets and I see – or Dwight now for the Lakers and I see that the impact that those energy high-energy big men have, I think there's still a value for, for guys like that. And I think early on in his career, we were upset with him because he wasn't that – I don't know, that 20 and 10 guy that you'd want out of the number four overall pick. But I think that – if you put the right pieces, I don't want to say around him because he's not like your franchise player or nothing like that, but he's a high-character guy. You know he's going to give his all out there. If he can go out there and just play some defense and get some rebounds, I think he can be really solid on any caliber of team because he's that – we've seen that he was good enough to play on a, a championship team in 2016. Yeah, I had Tristan a little bit lower, but one thing that stood out to me, which maybe 
gives him more value and it's probably a, a good pick here for you is in, in 2015-16 when the Cavs won the championship, he was number one in all of the NBA in offensive rating when, you know, just combined percentages, uh, free throw percentages, turnovers, whatever. Tristan Thompson, a guy that, you know, shoots with both hands and doesn't really know what he's doing out there, it looks like at times. But, you know, that's kind of crazy to see. So I got – what do I got? 11? Yeah. yeah. 11. So I'm taking at 11 maybe one of the biggest that you were thinking about, maybe not, Enos Cancer. No, I'm sorry. Wait, did you take Valanciunas yet? I did not. Oh, sh- I'm taking Jonas Valanciunas. <laughs> that, was the guy, that, that was what I was thinking oh. of. Man, I skipped over. So, okay, so I was right. One of the guys you were thinking about. But another guy that just kind of seems to fit in his role pretty well. He's not going to be a star. He's not crazy athletic. You know, he shoots the ball pretty well. Um, He actually – he's shooting 36% from three, you know, for his career. He missed – I think his rookie year he missed because he was overseas, so it kind of pushed him down the list a little bit. Um, but the last two years, he's averaged a double-double. And, uh, you know, he's a solid big man that you know what you're getting from him on a consistent uh, basis. I think I paid attention to him a lot more this year because of uh, John Morant. But – because I didn't watch him in Toronto. I didn't really pay attention to him too much. But, like, real solid. Like, tough, around the basket, can just a, a old-school big. Like, just a real tough, tough solid dude. Um, so before you get to the next one, what I think is funny, too, about that is – the trade that they did, Toronto and, and Memphis, Gasol for Valanciunas, it was like you're swapping out the same person. It yeah. almost felt like. It's like, oh, we didn't lose. We, we didn't win the trade. Like, it's the same guy, basically. Exactly. And I, I don't know if salary was the reason for that or whatnot, but Memphis didn't lose out on this in any regard, especially because Valanciunas no. is, is uh, a younger guy in general. So this is where uh, I struggled a bit. But I'm going to go with uh, one of the twins. I'm going to go with Marcus Morris here. And the reason I say that, I'm thinking about playoff time. And I'm thinking about how if he's like my fourth guy on the team, he can get me a bucket. I don't know about in the most efficient way possible, but I know he's not going to be scared of the moment. I know that it's kind of blinded right now based off what the hell we just saw in that last series with the Nuggets. But I know that he's a, a guy who's going to be tough. He's going to be there. He's reliable in that regard. And I know he can play a little bit of defense so he can switch out on um, – Anybody but probably a point, but I think he can switch two through five. So I think that he will be my pick here at number 12. So you probably know where I'm going at 13 then, if I already said it. But uh, 13, uh, I'm going Enos Cantor, Enos Cantor, whatever way you say it. Um, went to Kentucky, kind of in a, it is, when it was in a weird situation. Played one year, but didn't really play at Kentucky. Um, because of eligibility issues and whatever the NCAA had to say about that. But another guy that is offensively that as a big man, almost everything you could ask for, except, you know, can't really shoot the ball great. Defensively kind of lacks a lot there. Um, but, you know, what kind of stood out to me is his rebounding numbers. You know, he, he gets 12 points a game for his career and with OKC he averaged around 16, which is great. But, and for him, for rebounding is his biggest thing. And two years in a row, he led the league in rebounding percentage. So, you know, he's one of those guys where you probably didn't see him that much with Boston this year, at least yet in the playoffs because of matchup issues. Um, but, you know, when they put him in, you'll hear the announcers saying, you know, he's in there to score and get rebounds. So he's my 13th pick. Gotcha. 
Ennis is an interesting guy because I don't know if he can guard me, but uh, he can definitely score on anybody, just by anybody in the league. Uh, 14's interesting here because this guy didn't come over right away. So I'm going to draft for the future here, and I'm thinking about who – I think this is Houston uh, here at 14 here. So I think this is good for them because maybe, I don't know, the Harden era looks different. But I'm going to go Bojan uh, Bogdanovich and – he was injured uh, right before the bubble with a wrist injury, so you guys missed out in that regard. But I think he's a solid player. He's a great three-point shooter. I want to say he shoots 40% from three for his career. Um, he's not really your first, second, or probably third option, but he's reliable in that he can put the ball in the cup. Um, he averaged 20 this year for the for a Utah Jazz team that uh, that needed some scoring punch outside of D. Mitch and, uh, and Mike Conley. So I think that if a drafting stash, he didn't come over until year four. So he was 26 or 25. Yeah. So I think that uh, I'm going to take Bojan here. That was my pick. I was actually, once I took Valanciunas and kind of gave away my Cantor pick, I was kind of thinking of going there. Uh, I mean, obviously, like you said, he slid because of, you know, not going, not coming over right away. But he put up the literally the exact same numbers this year as, as Chris Middleton, which I kind of, Chris Middleton was an all-star this year. and Bogdanovich wasn't, um, you know, I, who knows why, but he is, he's a very solid player that if he came over right away, you know, his development has been rapid um, so far. But, you know, if he came over right away, who knows where he would have went, you know, in our fake draft. But at 15, is this 15 already? The last pick, yep. Last pick. Um, it's kind of tough. I was going back and forth between two guys, I'll say. I mean, you could say you could get the 16th if you want to have the even amount of picks, but – my 15th pick is Kenneth Fareed, and Fareed is definitely a dude who you saw him in his first shoot, four, first five years, four years, and was like, this man is going to be around in the NBA for a long time. Plays hard, plays, you know, plays tough, plays good defense, rebounds the ball, can't really shoot, which kind of, I think, has you know, screwed him over in the long run, not being a very He's being an undersized big, um, can't really shoot. But what's crazy about him is, you know, his rookie season, he makes all rookie first team. Um, he had multiple 20-point or 20-rebound games, had 34 points once. And he, oh, for his career, he averages 12 points, eight rebounds. So it's not horrible. But I, he, another guy like IT who's not in the league right now. So, you know, he slid a little bit and had some, some bad years towards the end. Yeah, I think that what kind of hurt him is that uh, he's a victim of I guess the modern NBA, I guess you can say, and just how a guy like him who can't shoot, he needs to fit a, uh, find a team who needs that specific guy. And I'm sure he'll get back in the league at some point. He's a – you can always use an energy guy off the bench. But I think he was – I remember him at Moorhead State in that tournament run they had and calling him the manimal and, and that type of stuff. He was a uh, a good player coming out for sure. Right. He was always fun to watch. And like you said, definitely like guys love energy, energy guys in this league. So hopefully maybe he comes back a refined shot. Maybe I don't know, but his first, his first five years, it's just crazy to see how, you know, he was doing so well. And then the modern era kind of hit and you can't shoot. You can't play. Thanks. We're going to bring back another segment. I'm, I'm sure you guys liked um, it's lock of the week. Um, Sean hit his pick last week. I didn't. So hopefully I can get on track this week and Sean can continue his success. So Sean, you can start it off, start us off here. All right, so yeah, like CJ said, and I want everyone to make sure they heard that I'm I'm one to know he's 0 one, so we're keeping tallies. At least I am. So 
my lock of the week um, is the LA Rams plus two and a half against the Buffalo Bills. The Bills have not played anyone. You know, yeah, they look great. Um, I actually like them this year, but the Rams have looked very good, you know, in their first two games. I think um, Jared Goff's playing well this year. Um, their defense looks great. J- John Carroll grad and ex-coach Brandon Staley is the defense coordinator. So a little bit biased there, but you know, they're, an LA team that I think a lot of people will eventually start hating because it's an LA team that will eventually get a lot of stars on their team or at least players that, you know, um, will want to come out there. But uh, LA Rams this week, two and a half against the Bills. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, I think uh, McVay's a good coach. I just like Jalen Ramsey. So I'm always going to root for the Rams in some capacity. For me, I'm going to take a, a total this week and I'm going to take the Hawks and Cowboys over 55 and a half. And that's a lot for the NFL, but after what I just saw uh, Sunday night with the with the Seahawks game, as we alluded to earlier, Russell Wilson is hot. He's cooking. And I don't know if the, the Cowboys, with their poor uh, defense, is going to be able to do, do much about it. But then on the flip side of that, that Seahawks defense didn't look too hot either. And you give Dak Prescott with his weapons, and hopefully that some of the offensive linemen come back healthy. But with CD, uh, Coop, Gallup, uh, and Zeke, I think this game can turn into a shootout. So you got two good quarterbacks, two defenses that are iffy. I I think this game is going to go over 55 and a half. Yeah, that'll definitely be a fun game to watch. Those two explosive offenses. For sure. But enough of us talking, man. I'm sure you guys want to get to the special guest we got. Good dude, Indy, current uh, Notre Dame player. It's going to, it was a fun one to record. I'm sure you guys are going to love it and guys are going to talk about it. So you're going to hear from Sean Sean Crawford, right after this commercial break. Join here today with a special guest, a good friend of ours, graduate of St. Edward High School with us, and current Notre Dame DB. What's good, Sean? How you doing? What's good, Carl? What's good, Sean? What's, what's going on in, in Notre Dame these days, man? Uh, I mean, a lot right now. We, uh, we, we played two games so far this season, um, had to put a halt to things, had to pause practice and uh, postpone our game this weekend against Wake Forest um, just because of just the numbers, um, uh, the number of cases that are rising um, just around campus. So, uh, so I don't know, hopefully things um, change for the better and that this, and that we can continue on with the season. But yeah, things are, things were moving smooth and then they just, they, they changed. Like, I mean, this year, 2020, nothing is nothing is certain. So we got to be ready for anything. So we just right now just classes and um, trying to just stay active at home. Sure. No, it's kind of crazy how it's going right now, but that's what's going on with this world. With sports, it's tough. You don't really know how to handle things. I mean, there's a lot of precautions and guidelines, I guess, to follow. But with sports, everyone wants to play and get this stuff going. But you know, we got to take the necessary precautions, I guess. Um, kind of going in right to it, uh, talking about Notre Dame. Um, being a Notre Dame fan that I am, um, I have family that went there, played football there. Um, so we have a history of just being a Notre Dame fan as a family. You know, you have the rich history of the school and of the sport, football at Notre Dame, like play like a champion, everyone knows. Grotto, Touchdown Jesus, um, the Gold Helmets, you know, Rudy the movie. You could keep going about that. But, you know, just kind of talk about, you know, what it's like to play for a school like Notre Dame with such great history and such, you know, uh, prominent success. 
Um, I mean, it's great. It's, um, it's everything that you see on movies, everything you see on TV, pictures, it's all that and more. I mean, um, when I took a visit here a long time ago, um, just like as on a recruiting visit, when I walked on campus, I got chills just because every it was it was everything that I saw on TV. It was everything that I saw in pictures and things like that. So um, when I got on campus, it was just like a, it was a beautiful sight. Um, the the vibes were good. It was like good energy, good energy on campus and all, and all those things. So um, just being a part of that, just knowing that just the, the long history that Notre Dame has and the tradition that it that it carries. It's, it's just amazing being on campus because you're walking, you're walking the, the, the halls of, of legends. Um, you're, for me, I'm in, a lock, I'm in the locker room with um, future legends or All-Americans or just, um, just in, in the building with people like that. And so when you realize like just a special place you're at, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, I'm in a classroom with um, valedictorians and um, people that came out in the top of their class, people from different different countries, different areas um, in the world. And so just being able to just meet um, a lot of people as well, it's just it's just an eye opener. I mean, it's just one of the great experiences that I've just been able to um, be blessed to, to, to experience and um, I'm just thankful for it. So, yep. yeah. Absolutely. Now you talked about like, you know, being among valedictorians, obviously be, everyone knows how great of an athletic program Notre Dame is, and obviously their academics as well. But how is it balancing, you know, the two being a football star on one hand, but also having the 12 years of college like you and Troy both have? Uh, how is, how, how is that, that balance going for you? I feel like I got it mastered now. <laughs> Just being... So. Being, being, yeah, the sixth time around. Um, so right now, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm managing it pretty well. Um, I'm in a master's program, so it's not um, as like as as loaded as an undergrad schedule is, I guess. Um, but I'm, I'm able to just, I know, I know the the help that I need to get. I'm able to communicate with my um, academic advisors and get the help that I may need in certain classes and things like that. So right now this moving is moving smooth. Um, with football paused, I'll be able to focus on academics even more. So um, I think I'm like pretty, pretty, um, pretty good in that um, area now. But um, just before when I first got here, it was tough. Um, just um, being a freshman, a freshman on campus and um, this new like workload was different for me, especially um, uh, while while being injured um, as a freshman, that was that was tough just because it was a new experience and trying to get around campus on crutches, on a scooter, um, things like that. It made it like re having rehab early in the morning and then having to go to practice. And so having to adjust all that early on in my career, that was tough for me. But um, I, I'm kind of thankful for that just because it allowed me to, to be prepared for any adversity um, that may come. And so um, I've already experienced like I guess like the worst so it's like right now this is just like smooth sailing got, <clears throat> got you I think one thing being your friend and uh talking more about football right here Notre Dame is polarizing as hell y'all are one of the more loved programs in the country but then also you got <laughs> some people who don't really like them at all so like 
is that ever discussed in the locker room or like around like the team at all? Like how polarizing y'all are, like how y'all get the NBC love every week, but you know, y'all also are one of the more like hated programs in the country by some people. Like, is that ever like talked about at all or not? Um, I mean, no, it's just like, it's something that's like known, I guess. Um, not like being cocky or anything, but like, we know, we know who we are. We know we're Notre Dame, like everyone wants to get a chance to play us and like play on NBC and be in front of like millions of fans on Saturday. So I think like when, like, I think that's like our, we know that as a program. And so we try to hold ourselves to that standard. And so I think that's like very important for our team just because we know like we know the expectations that we have for ourselves. We know the expectations that people on the outside have for us. And so um, each and every day we try to just like go to work like that. So we go to work with that mindset just because like whenever your team comes into Notre Dame, they're trying to de they're trying to defeat Notre Dame on their home turf and on the on NBC in front of their fans. So um, it's like a. I, I mean, it's a, it's a challenge. I we always accept it, but it's fun though because you know you're always going to get everyone's best. Got you. And sticking with the football theme here, I want to congratulate you on being a captain at ND. I know it means a lot to you. Like talking about such a prestigious school, like what does that mean to you specifically to be a captain at Notre Dame? Um, it 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 means a lot to me, especially when. You look at all the, the great captains that we've had in the past here um, and just the legends that have walked the locker room here, it's, it's, an, it's an honor. I mean, some people don't get, don't get the opportunity to, to even go to Notre Dame. So to have the opportunity to, to be a part of Notre Dame and to, not, to now be a captain of the team, it, it just means the most to me. Um, it came from a lot of work. It came from a lot of adversity. Um, and that's one of the, like, I guess one of the biggest accomplishments that I've had in college so far is just um, being able to 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 come back from adversity, to to come to just to fight multiple adversity, and then just to keep going and later on and have teammates see that and um, respect that and um, just feel that energy. And so just uh, just when I got when I got um, awarded um, captain, it was just like a it was like a relief for me just because it felt like I've, I've accomplished something here. I've, I'm now a part, I'm now a part of something of the legacy here. Um, what I've done here is, is, has impacted the people here. And so that's every, that's just my main goal is just trying to go out there and just push, push my teammates and just keep going just because I know how much, how much it took for me to even get here. So um, I just, yeah, that's, that's, that, that's how I feel about that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, how me, my perspective, it's probably different than than you two. You know, you guys both play Division One sports at big schools. Um, I'm starting to see the Division One level at a, a different aspect, more of a coaching slash manager, whatever type side. But, um, what does a normal day look like for you, a Notre Dame, a Division One athlete? You know going to school, waking up early, workouts, whatever, film, whatever it may be. I'm curious because I've never been in those shoes. I'm sure most of the people listening have not. But what does a normal day look like for you? So I got uh, – we got COVID testing from like 7 to 9 every day. So I'll, I'll get – I'll go to that around 8.30. Um, 
then I'll head to our facility, grab like a breakfast sandwich, um, and some like just breakfast food, I guess, and then <laughs> and then go to uh, go to class at nine thirty, go to two classes, um, get done around twelve fifteen. I'll go back to our facility, um, get some more food, have a snack, uh, maybe go home for just like an hour to, to relax before we start meetings and things like that. Uh, start meetings at 2.30, um, probably in meetings from 2.30 to 4.30, start practice around 5, get done around 7.15, um, watch some film after practice, eat dinner at the facility till about 8.15. And then I'm at home watching some sports probably. So and then trying to trying to do some homework while I watch while I watch the sports. So that's a that's a usual day. Then it's the same thing every single day. So but once you get once you get a routine, once you once you figure that out and uh where you like where your meals fit in at and um finding those little spots to like take naps and stuff, you you're gonna be good. I think that's the uh, the schedule you talk about. I think it sounds very difficult from the outside, like just looking like this, he's constantly always doing something. But once you get that routine, I don't want to say it's easy, but you feel kind of like it is what it is to a certain extent. And I think also us going to St. Ed's, I think it kind of prepared us for that type of like rigorous schedule. Cause I mean, me and you, we used to get to Ed's an hour early and then leave until probably six, seven, 7.30, eight some damn nights. So I think we were kind of prepared in that regard. Yeah, no, Ez was, Ez was pretty similar. It was like, you get, we got there early. Um, it'll be like, now we just, we just go to, we go to school early for a workout or something or for conditioning. So, I mean, we were always there early. We went to class, we went to class all day, moving around and then had to prepare for meetings and had to prepare for practice. So, and then once you got a routine throughout the week and, we were doing stuff all year round. So it was like, we were used to um, being busy, but now Ed's definitely prepared us though. I miss, yeah, I miss, I miss Ed's. <laughs> Don't we all have? <laughs> no, I was, no, that's good that you brought that up. I was gonna ask a similar question because Troy, who people listening can't see, he's still in this conversation, muted. But last week we talked about, uh, he touched on like kind of the grind that he went through, you know, being at St. Ed's, living kind of far away, um, you know, long trips to school, getting there early in the morning, uh, staying late after practice or lift or even just school in general. But how did, you know, that prepare you, but also the aspect of, you know, playing under Fanati, who, you know, now was in the college ranks, went to Michigan, now John Carroll, but a great coach, nonetheless, um, being around great players such as yourself, CJ, Troy, the Dowels, the list goes on and on. How is how has that prepared you, you know, to where you are right now? First, the long travel. <laughs> it was, I mean, the long, uh, the long travel, it was, uh, it was tough some days just because, I mean, you would have late nights um, at practice, um, have homework, and then – have to get to bed and then have to be up again for either film or lift or some, some or we just had to be there early because our parents had to work. But no, it was it was fun though because um, we like we still we make jokes out of it now. Um, it was CJ and uh, LJ, so 
we always talk about Carl mom was always on the phone. 7 a.m. She picked us up at 6.30, 7 a.m. Carl mom was on the phone until she dropped us off. So that was good. That was a good time all the time. My mom always had the, the Ricky Smiley in the morning show on. So that was cool. And then LJ dad, he had the sports on. So we, I, I used to sleep on that day. He had the heat up, though. So he was, he was, the, he was the only one who used the heat. My, my, my mom and Carl mom ain't mess with the heat. You had to bundle up, but <laughs> that, but nah. So it was. I mean, the morning travel. It was. It was. It was cool. It, it kind of made it. It made it a thing. And then so we uh we get to school and we just the morning the breakfast cookies at Ed's. I don't, anybody who went to Ed's when we were there and they know about the cookies. So I don't know if they still do the cookies. You know, they're trying to eat healthy. Which I mean, I I I agree. You sh everyone should eat healthy. But them cookies was them was wet. <laughs> but nah, um, but yeah, so we just be, and then also being there um, late, late night sometimes it was it was tough, but it was it was an opportunity for us to just get more work in or um, just to like grow our friendship. And so I think those times that we had to spend like either bef there before early or before school on the times we have this we had to spend after school, I think it just kind of just helped grow our friendship to what it is now today and just continue to just grind and. Um, get to know each other really. So I was thankful at the end of the day for those, for those moments. Um, it's crazy because like back then, it's like we pro we hated getting up early, but we hated to go there. And but now I feel like looking back on it, it was it was like one of the best things we did because we're, it made us the friends we are today. Um, and then just being around great players and being around Coach Finati, um Definitely prepared me for college. I felt like when I came to college, I was, I was ready to go just because I, I can't like I wanted my corner or the other corner, my linebacker, the safety I'm next to, like my D line. I want, I know all them supposed to be like nice, supposed to be balling, and so like coming to college and then being being surrounded by people similar like that, it was it was it wasn't it wasn't like anything new for me just because I played around great athletes in high school, and um, just a great program. So. Um, that's what I thought. And then Coach Finati prepared me just because he, he, he made me mature early. Um, I went through some things in high school and he, he, he definitely, uh, helped me like figure things out and helped me, um, straighten up. But yeah, no, nah, that's, that's, that's my guy right there. Um, she's one of the best coaches and is one of the best, um, best like people that I know. So that's my guy. Man, hey, talking about the the morning commute, like we for LJ, I know specifically we had to be at Roseland Lanes by six twenty, so that means I'm waking up for school that started at eight, at like five forty five forty five, just so I can get in the car at six twenty. And my mom usually was the one that was late. If y'all know y'all know them Joneses, they never on time to shit. So I'm late. So it's messing everybody else up. And if you like five minutes late, you stuck in the traffic. So then now you're supposed yeah. to be in the class at supposed to be in the school at seven. You really not getting into like 720. Now whoever drove that day mad as hell at my mom because she never on time. It was a it was a whole ass experience. And like looking back on it, it's funny, but in the moment, like that was a oof. Yo, it was crazy. I forgot that we all met at Roseland though. Cause you had to be on time, like People was ready to slide. If you like, you like, you, you <laughs> like five minutes. You ain't get there in five minutes. Slide, and then you get to Roseland. You you pull up. You pull up to Roseland, hoping you see him. 
And if you see him, you like, yes. But it, it was a couple times where, like, we pulled up and my mom was like, dang, we had to keep going. You had to make that trip. Like, then my mom had to make that trip. She was sick. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. It was yeah. probably because You can have a podcast. You can have a podcast. What are you saying? It was probably because of me, too, because I didn't want to get up. I probably didn't want to get up. <laughs> I was going to say, you could have a podcast of itself with those cafeteria, like, morning lunch table, whatever, discussions that you had, those arguments. We probably went through all those matchups back in the playoffs, whatever, football, basketball, NCAA, everything. Boy, we would have had better ratings than first take back in the day, y'all. I don't <laughs> think y'all hit, like – I had the best takes. <laughs> like, oh, the, the, the setup was so back. <laughs> you had the TV right there, so they had the highlights from the night before. Then they had the food, like Crawford was referring to. Then you got everyone from ninth through 12th grade, you know, everybody who get to school early because, you know, the parents had to have work and so forth and whatnot. And we used to be in there just arguing. No reason. 7.20 in the morning. Just energy for no damn reason. I'm usually asleep because that was me, but I wake up to Croft and Troy or the Dows or Marcellus Blaine might hop in a day, Brandon Lurk. You know, it's just a bunch of dudes just arguing with no no reason that early in the morning, man. I, you just miss little things like that with Ed. Yeah, that's yeah, because when people, that's because people be saying Tony Allen. I mean, not Tony Allen. But people be saying Mike Conley, the best point guard in the league and stuff. <laughs> oh, I remember them days. I remember that. Yep, because that was probably like 2013, 14. You know, I'm a Steph guy. Yeah, I remember I that. Yep, I remember that. Yep. Yep. There be there be times where. It was probably Lurch, because Lurch was the worst when it came to arguing about that stuff. But, like, there'd be times where I know I didn't want to talk to some of people, some of you guys or anyone. I just would be like, all right, I'm going to stay in my car until 7.55. I'm going to sleep in my car, maybe turn the radio on or something. I'm not talking to anybody, because I'm not going to hear the bullshit that I'm going to put up with from you guys. <laughs> oh, man, that, it was legendary, man. I, it got worse, not want to say worse, but it dwindled as the years went on because of, obviously, losing – class ahead of y'all uh 2015 losing Marcellus and all them and then obviously then losing y'all was even worse because my senior year I didn't even get to school early no more I just slept in the car so but that was definitely an experience for sure uh I want to get back to ND real quick just talking about this specific gear for you um you've been a versatile like defensive player your whole life or just football player in general you've played receiver as safety nigga, <laughs> the whole the whole nine but this year they got you at safety just talk about how how much of a transition that's been and how that's maybe benefited you as a player, maybe for the next level, make you more marketable. Like just elaborate on that. Um, it was, it was actually, it's been a fun transition. Um, I guess it's sometimes stressful as well, just because uh, it's tough just expecting to come in and play corner a position that I know like very well that I've been playing here uh, pretty much the entire time. Um, and especially in my final year, I didn't expect to to be switched to safety um, the first day of camp. But safety is always a position that I've loved, that I've always um, wanted to play. So um, I, at that point, I was excited. I was like, all right, let's 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 see how much I can get out of this. Let's see what I can learn. And just throughout the first week, I was um, – I was just I was just getting my feet wet. I felt I felt pretty good at safety. I was making a couple plays, um, and so I was like, all right, like I I'm, I feel comfortable at safety. And then the coach, um, just through um, just like unfortunate like mishaps of like people having to sit sit out a couple practices and um, injuries and things like that, um, I just had to stay at safety a little bit longer. And so 
Um, just like that next week, I began to make even more plays and started to like lead the defense, started to um, really like take control of the defense, um, calling out plays, calling out um, changes, audibles, things like that. But, um, and so like once I started to get comfortable at safety, I felt like I I realized that like this was a, a great position for me. And then I felt like the coaches also realized that and so when they saw me, when they saw me uh, making plays and making plays, and not only in the passing game but in the run fit, in the running game, um, I feel like they knew that right, right then and there, they knew that that was the spot for me, and that was the spot that was gonna uh, make us a better defense. And so it's just been fun. It's been a tough transition just because now the game is played from a different angle. Um, so everything I see, everything. Um, I like attack, I guess, um, it's, it's coming from a different angle. And so um, I'm still adjusting to that, just like in the, in the, in the running game, just being able to, to, sl to slow down in the run game, not be so aggressive to the line, but um, it's to, stay, to stay on the back hip and to, to know that I have a force player. Usually at corner, I'm the force player. So it's like I'm used to like forcing things back in instead of safety is like keep it on the inside, keep it on your inside and like force it out to the corner. So just like being, just trying to make those type, those type of adjustments, and it's tough right now because without spring ball, I had to, I'm making the the full speed adjustments in game. So um, I'm having to go to the games, like trying to work on some technique, but like that I've been working on in practice. But you're not gonna get the same speed from the scouts that you're gonna get in game. And so because of the the short off season, we didn't get we didn't get a lot of good on good. And we didn't, and that speed. Um, I didn't really get to get a good tempo for the speed. So um, it's it's been a it's been a good um, transition, but it's it's a lot. It's also it's also allowing me to stay locked in and in the games, um, knowing that I I got I got things to work on, and so I can't take any any playoff any um, any misstep just because I know how critical it is. Um, just being so raw at that position right now. I think because uh, I moved to safety my sophomore year, and I think the biggest misconception that I had about safety is that you see everything and you think that's a good thing, but that's also the same shit that can get you like burnt. Like that phrase, you see a little, you see a lot, you see a lot, you see nothing. And it's like, yeah. I remember being back at safety where you think, okay, I can see the damn backside tackle. I can see all this stuff. And you looking at everything. Meanwhile, the guarding damn face, now you on your ass. So it's like the, at corner, all you had to worry about, Dude in front of you, maybe number two, if you got enough, you feel me? It ain't that much to look at. Right. And back there at safety, you can get distracted real quick. Real quick. You got, man. I, it's, it's, man it's been so many times in camp uh, when I first started at safety. To, um, I'm, supposed, I'm supposed to be post. And I see, I, see a sale, I see a sale run loose. So I leave the post and go break on the sale. And then I t as I'm running to the sale, I turn around, ball going right over my head to the post. I'm like, sheesh. But like it was it's weird though, cause like I'm used to like trying to like cap everything off. Like at corner, like or at nickel, it's like I'm always like capping something off where I'm like manning something. Like I'm not used to just like playing deep, like in the post in the zone. Cause like if you're in a third and you got somebody in your third, like you go, you like you go you pretty much it turned into a man. Um, but in the post, it's like stuff can cross your face, but you just gotta let it go. And that was like that's that's been a that's been a um, the biggest transition for me, because when you you can see a lot, and it's like, but sometimes like, oh yeah, you're right, you see a lot, you see nothing. But 
that's true. There's so much, there's so much stuff that you can see like going on as far as like from like you, I feel like you got the best besides the mic, you got the best or you got a better view than the mic because you can see the whole box and the receivers. So yeah, it's definitely tough. Um, but like now, like I've, I've, I've talked to some past safeties that we had, um, talked to some, some of our coaches and now I got a good, um, concept of like what to see and what to key on each play. My last question for you is, is what's your favorite out of the three, nickel, safety, and a uh, corner? I like uh, – Quarterback? I like safety. No. Nah. <laughs> corner, corner is my least favorite. Just corner, only, corner. I, li I like the I like, I like corner because it's like a – it's pretty much a competition. It's, it's, I think it's probably one of the most competitive, like, positions on the field. Um, so I like it, like, I like it for that reason. And you can just basically just win your one-on-one -on -one the whole game. But it's boring. I mean, like, if sometimes in college you don't got to – I played the field corners, and sometimes in college quarterback's not making that field throw. So that means you're not getting no no balls your way that game. So um, – <laughs> but not uh, the um, – I, I know you don't like corner, but, like – there no, must be but, some bad connection in South Bend because I was saying quarterback. Like, they got your roommate, the guy that throws the football. <laughs> no, nah, that's not my – nah. No, that's, that's my dog. I'm going to let him keep that uh, position. I like I, I like, <laughs> I like picking him. I like picking him off. Um, oh, well, like, BK, I, tell him to throw it your way. That's when you like – that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, that's when I, that's when I started to make more plays too. But uh, – <laughs> No, I like safety more just because you control the defense. Um, you see, you're 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 able to do you're able to do more. Um, you're able to be like you're you're able to lead the defense, um, run fit. You're in a passing game. Um, you can play a little man, um, play deep post. All those things, just all the positions, um, all the opportunities where you make plays. Nickel's fun, but in our defense, nickel you play man way too much, and uh, that's risky. <laughs> So I, I get a little I get a little break when I'm at safety, but third down, count on it. You got anything else? My last question. Yeah, my last question for you, and I think the most important question, best question for sure, is uh, you played lacrosse your senior year of high school, right? Yeah. What what you? I mean, I know you ran track, maybe cross country. I don't know what the name of the sports are. I mean, I didn't do that stuff. I'm too slow. What was lacrosse about? Why? <laughs> There's some reasons for lacrosse that <laughs> I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to share. Um, <laughs> there's a couple reasons for lacrosse. I wanted to. So. Uh, <laughs> 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 Yo. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> Yo. Uh, I guess one reason was um, track states ended like towards the um, maybe towards the or it ended like the beginning of June, and I know I had to I had to report early for uh, for college in the summer, so I was like uh, if I go if I run track then I'm only gonna get like a week off to like chill hang out with friends and stuff, and then. Uh, so then I knew lac I knew lacrosse ended early, like towards the towards the end of May, um, or or middle of May. So I decided to play lacrosse, 
Um, and then it was a fun experience. My boy Colin Mitchell, Taco, he was like, it was a joke. And I was like, yo, I was like, I want to play, I want to play lacrosse. And he was like, come to practice over, uh, I think it was like our spring break, maybe or our Easter break, one of those. So he was like, come to a practice. And I was like, all right, like I, I wasn't doing anything. So I was like, all right, I'll come to practice. He brought me some equipment. I went out there and just ran around and just like played defense. And that's pretty much like what I did. We or no, no, no. We practiced, uh, Colin, we, me and Colin, we came up to Ed's one day and practiced. So we just played like wall ball. And so like I practiced for like one day and then that was it. I guess that's all it took. And then, <laughs> and then I was on, I was, I was on the cross field. I was balling out and everything, but nah, that ain't the real story. But if you, if you, if you know me, if you know me and you, you, you know the real story. <laughs> <laughs> if y'all want to know the real, you know the real story. Y'all, y'all hit that boy up on IG. I'm sure. If he... you want to, if you want to know the real story, you gotta tune in next week and then the following <laughs> week and then the following week and then then the next one after that. Then I'm, then I'm gonna tell y'all the real story. <laughs> keep tuning in. You gotta just breadcrumbs. You gotta keep. You gotta keep tuning in. You gotta keep listening to Carl. Uh, his bad picks. <laughs> All right, man. Before we get on my case, we better introduce a special segment here. It's the first time uh, I think that you guys will like it. It uh, gives us a break from the from the monotonous interview style uh, that we've been having going on right now. It's going to be the first draft. So basically what it's going to have is the topic is best TV shows of all time. And obviously we all got different backgrounds, so this should be interesting. Uh, we're going to post it for you guys so you guys can get the vote on it and say who has the best. Um, so we're going to do a snake, snake style draft. We're going to start with Croft, Croft going to Flan and then me, I'll get two. Then we'll go like that. Croft get two and then we'll end up with five picks. Uh, so I think Croft, you're the, uh, you're the guest. I think you should get the first overall pick. Uh, first overall pick for me is how to get away with murder. Okay. 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 Netflix, right? Netflix. Netflix, okay. I think ABC, too, you know. I got all of it. I'm going to be honest. That's not even on my list. I haven't even watched it. So it might be something I need to look into. I just put you on. I just put you on. Hopefully, <laughs> none of y'all on my list because I need some new shows. I got nothing but time now. <laughs> Second pick. Uh, my first pick, but second overall pick, I took Ozark with Jason Bateman. Ah. My favorite show of all time. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, I ain't hip. I mean, I tried to watch it, but I know that everybody else loves it, so I'm, I'm going to say my piece about that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I got the next two picks. Uh-huh. So my first pick, I got to go with The Wire, man. That's the legendary oh show. God. Great show, man. Learned a lot about it, man. It came out in the early 2000s. This is a great show. But then my second round pick is SpongeBob, the greatest cartoon <laughs> ever, man. That's that's my ish, man. I'm sorry. You a fake, you a fake dog. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I don't know how you go from the wire to SpongeBob. You think the wire to SpongeBob? <laughs> Yo! Oh my! She, He's married now. He's probably got kids coming, so he's got to keep it PG or whatever G. So SpongeBob's a safe pick for, for him right now. Yeah. My my next pick is Breaking Bad. So I'm sticking to the Netflix popular 
TV shows, but Breaking Bad's my pick. I see Breaking Bad get a lot of love. I just ain't never tuned in. Yeah, I tried. I tried listening or watching it one time, and then I couldn't do it. And my dad started watching it this summer over quarantine, so I just did the same. I thought it was really good, but then like I think season three got boring, and then I couldn't. I just had to stop. But you know, it was it was straight. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I got the next two, huh? Yeah. So for my second round pick, I go. I got Prison Break. Ooh. That one. That's good. I didn't. I didn't like the restart of it though. Like I just liked the whole old series that they did. But they just start. They did like a restart maybe like three years ago. Um, my third round pick. I'm gonna go with. You took my Ozark. <laughs> you already um, running out of picks. <laughs> yeah, I'm running out. But now nah, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Flash. Oh Netflix, that was that was one of that was one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like that. It's, it's a different t- it's a different type of super superhero uh, show. I like it. Yeah, I love the super show. Superhero shows are good. Um, I got was this my my third pick? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with The Simpsons. That's always been like for me growing up, like a Sunday night, like families all together. We just watch The Simpsons. I haven't seen much of it. Like I watch a Simpsons movie. That's probably like my last like image of the Simpsons, but Simpsons is always a good go-to. You watched it the other day? No, not yet. Is it? Is it no. It was on TV the other day. I don't have live TV, so you got to hook me up with that uh, South Bend Notre Dame TV network you guys got going. Oh, I got you. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> All right. So well, I got the next two picks. All right. Boom. So then... <clears throat> Sticking with the Nickelodeon. Th- well, I don't even know if this was on Nickelodeon. I don't know. Everybody hates Chris. That was my show, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my show. I mean, Ooh, yeah. I ain't like the way it ended. Just bro, just I forget how exactly how it ended. I just didn't like the ending of that shit. Um, and they got the girl that's in power now, the, uh, his little crush. Y'all tune in to power, man. She, she tough on there. So then you got everybody hates Chris. And then I got to go with Criminal Minds. Like, that's my, oh. that's my ish, man. I'm sorry. Oh, like I was going to do that one. Like, I ain't like the last couple seasons of Criminal Minds, but the first, like, 9, 10 was tough. <laughs> tough. 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 Locked in. Tough. So I'm going back to Netflix series that it's recent. It just came out. Uh, not just came out, but it's been a recent TV show in the last year. Shit's Creek. Mm-hmm. It just won, like, I, they just had Emmys maybe or something. They just won Grammys. I don't even know. But they just won some award. It's good. It's about, I mean, it's just like something I watched. Late at night, just pops on mine. Twenty minute episodes, perfect. They won the Grammys. They won something. I don't know. Or Emmys, my bad. <laughs> Your pick. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go old school with this one. Uh, Martin. It's one of my favorites for sure. Um, Damn. I, I watch all the reruns. I mean, all every. I can watch the same one back to back, like. I used every time before bed. It's like a marathon that started like 10 p.m. I think, um, on like CW, Martin's. Just I just watch them till I fall asleep. Um, and then what's this? The fourth round? That's your last pick right here. It's your last pick. Last pick. The last pick. I'm gonna go with. Martin was a good ass. Stranger Things. Ooh. I had that on mine. That's good. That one, I, I see. I was, I was, I was, I was against it at first, 
And then like people just kept talking about it, like, oh my gosh, season three, season three. And I didn't even, I haven't, I didn't watch it at all. So I got to watch it from one through one to uh, three. So that was five. Yeah. No, that's good. I'm not gonna lie. I broke down 15 TV shows. I don't know why. So I have so many to pick from right now, but my last pick, I'm going to go with uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Just a go-to. That, that's one of those growing up, like late at night TV shows that's just always on somewhere. You find that you just watch it. Well, it's messed up because y'all, I had Martin next and I was like, all right, I got to go old school again with Fresh Prince. And then Flan obviously take Fresh Prince. So uh, I got to add live here. I got a couple left on the list. But um, I'm going to go with a recent one. It's, it, it's hit or miss with the crowd, but I love it. Like, locked into it all the time. Money Heist. That was my Yeah, you should have gave me more than five. <laughs> <laughs> Money Heist. I mean, I know it's not in English, but I don't give a damn. That's, that's nah, Money oh. Heist. Money Heist hard. Yeah. I think I got one more season, and I'm locked in. I'm locked in. I need to, yeah. I need that, I need that new Money Heist for sure. Yep. So I need that. I need Ozark, Stranger Things. Yeah, <laughs> All American. I, it's it's cheap. Uh, uh, All American. They can uh, they can hold on to that one. They can hold on to that one for now. <laughs> they can definitely hold on to. Oz oh, I need I need Snowfall back too though. Snowfall, Snowfall coming soon. Snowfall, Snowfall. Snowfall next. Yeah, Snowfall. In my that's that's in my top. Five two. Take out one. You ever seen? You ever seen uh Gotham on Netflix? Yeah, that's yeah tough. That was on my list towards the end, but no, that's good. Especially like kind of talking about superheroes, Batman type stuff. But even though he's not in it, it's just it's a cool cool show. The the fans not gonna like the SpongeBob pick, yo. Nah, you you you, you, a fake, you a fake thug, bro. You can't you can't go from, <laughs> can't go from the wire to SpongeBob. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, SpongeBob a go-to. Like the first, like, I don't know, six seasons. It can have my grown ass at 22 still crying, laughing. Man, I don't give a damn. <laughs> All right, now I got I got one question for y'all. Okay. With with three weeks of college football going um going on so far, where y'all see? I know y'all watched. Y'all probably watched all the games. Carl, I know you seen Syracuse. You seen seen all the teams they played. Troy, you called the games. You could play. You play. You play. Pitt play. Sensi. So, you know how they are. Sean, you, you, you. you hopefully, you watched us. Where do y'all see Notre Dame going this year? That's that's the answer. That's the answer I need. Okay. That's the, that's the that's the answer I need. So for the listeners at home, I root for Sean Crawford. <laughs> I go all in, Sean Crawford. Let's go. I need picks, force fumbles, all that. However, everybody else, I don't give a shit about. I'm sorry. I don't really <laughs> so, in an ideal world for me, because Indy always gonna have national exposure. They all this is Indy. They on NBC, goddamn. In an ideal world, if y'all like, I don't know, seven and five, eight and four, but you go stupid, poof. Merry Christmas. I'm the see. I'm the opposite of CJ. Being a Notre Dame fan, if Sean Crawford is not playing playing well, I'm yelling at my TV to take his ass out so we can put someone else in because Notre Dame is not losing a game this year. You got a good quarterback, a good defense. Like we're fine. We're fine. Once you guys get healthy, 
whenever that is and a playoff happens, I expect to see Notre Dame there. Oh, yeah. And Little Caesars that, Bowl? Oh. <laughs> Little Caesars Bowl, I think, probably. Uh, we, hold on, hold on, we got, hold on, we got, we, I brought, hold on, I brought a special guest. I brought a special <laughs> guest with me. They let me bring a plus one. So I brought one, um, Troy Henderson, down at, down at AP. Uh, he probably in Cleveland right now, so hit him up. But, yeah, so what do you think? Y'all in the ACC now, so I'm thinking about a, a, a great season for Indy would be six six and four, Little Caesars Bowl. You know, they got good peace in Detroit, man. Hey, great ball game, great venues in Detroit, man. Go Indy. Go Irish, baby. Go Dome. <laughs> you know. That's a lot of hate. That's a lot of hate. Yeah, that's just, that's just motivation for the Irish. That's all. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I think they'll be good this year. I, I, I think throwing all the, the indie bias, anti-bias away. I think they'll be smooth. I mean, I don't know how many years Ian has started, but it's feel like he's been there for 10 years now. Obviously, the defense smooth. Um, I know that y'all lost uh, your running mate back there at safety, but I'm sure y'all got next man up over there. Y'all be straight. So, I mean, I think y'all be smooth this year. I don't know if y'all going to beat them Tigers, but y'all should be straight. Them Tigers coming to South Bend this year. If you get a couple picks, y'all lose by 50. That'd be great. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, but to wrap it all up, man, I just want to give a shout-out to Sean for coming on, man. He's busy usually with his uh, schedule. I know this week's a little different because of the circumstances, but I appreciate you for coming on, man. It was a great time talking to you. We can extend this for hours on end, but I just appreciate you taking the time out for, uh, for coming on. Appreciate y'all. Hey, I got the I got the Miami Heat uh, winning the championship too. By the way, come holler at me. Hey, it's easy to pick when someone's up two nothing and the final is right around the corner. So, but we'll hey, that's just, on the I'm record. Just, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying they they gonna take care of this, and then they are gonna take care of whoever the, whoever they play in the finals, and then you are gonna catch <laughs> me in South Beach too, though. <laughs> hey, but seriously, thank you for coming on. Um, Best of luck the rest of the way when your season starts back up again. Um, wish you guys safety, healthy uh, success going forward. So appreciate you, and I'm sure we'll be talking soon. All right, appreciate you, Sean. Hey, since you're a fan, I'm gonna get you some tickets. Come up to a game. Hey, when the fans come back, I'm there. And you already got some though, right? Yeah, we got some. I got we got we got yeah. the loyal one, so I got you. Carl, appreciate he, you. He can't come. <laughs> He'd be good enough. <laughs> All right, y'all, that's a wrap, and thanks once again for coming on, Sean.